All right, so let's uh, let's let's go. Well, are you? I mean, this has been long time coming. Yeah, this, this episode. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm done. Let's go. I just realized that I had the headphones on, <laughs> and you don't need them. And I've been hearing. You don't want to hear like, an echo. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing myself talk. So yeah. I was just like, "What am yeah, I doing yeah. with these headphones on?" It's always weird. I'll put those down. It has been a long time coming. And this is an episode we've been wanting to do for a while. Right. And we've been preparing for it for a while. Kind of like the Grace one. We ta- <laughs> we we researched that one for a long time and wrote that post and rewrote it and rewrote it and then recorded the episode and then released it. And then like a year later, <laughs> we recorded another episode about the same thing because right. we spent all that time doing a lot more research on it and understanding it a little better. And right. this is a topic that's... Uh, that's close to us and and parts of it are not near to our hearts right but p- other parts are the hope parts are and right. the, the change parts are and, and so i just wanted to start out by um i love reading the itunes reviews and mm-hmm. so i like giving shout outs if i can and um, our most recent review on itunes was by skyshifter 55 mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, these guys are amazing. You can feel the spirit and you can feel hope. And I really liked that that review and I appreciate that. We appreciate it. Thanks, Skyshifter55. Yeah. But um, I really like that because this episode is, I mean, we really hope and pray that it will be an episode that brings a lot of hope. Yes. Um, and, and helps a lot of people. So Yeah, more than anything else, that's what we want to focus on. Right. The hope, right? Because... Well, as we get into it, you'll see kind of why that's so important. Right. And 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 we don't really focus on that right. much. And we need to focus on it, not just more, but like almost exclusively. Right. And so just, yeah, hopefully you'll feel just an intense amount of hope. When you walk away from listening to this. Yeah. 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 So with all that being said... Our episode today is on overcoming pornography. Right. Doesn't that sound hopeful? And addiction in general. Addiction in general. Yeah. And and particularly pornography addiction. Right. right? So uh, to start out, just to to give some reference points, both of uh, you and I uh, have had our own struggles with pornography addiction. Correct. And and I say that bluntly and boldly because I'm unafraid of it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. Not at all. Right. I'm undaunted. And I think that the, that that is a major key. That is a key. Right? For sure. To to overcoming the addiction. We'll talk about shame in a little while, but sometimes we're so ashamed of it and there's so much shame out there and we're so afraid of the shame that we don't talk about it to anyone. Well, I mean, it's it's a very em- embarrassing thing to admit, yeah. right? Like yeah. you don't want to even you know, talk to a close friend about it. You don't want to talk to a bishop about it. Yeah. You don't want to get on a podcast and announce it to everyone, right? Like, yeah. no. why would you do that? Like, this is a very, like, very negative thing, puts you in a poor light and you're a bad person, right? Well, and that's the problem, right? Right. Right there is that belief that you are a bad person. When I was younger and I would hear that somebody had a, a pornography addiction, it was like shocking. Right. Because I, I mean, I felt jarred by it. I felt like, oh, ugh. you know, I felt shaken. Like, here's this person. They're good. They're a good person. Right. 
But and then all of a sudden, when I found out they had a pornography addiction, my in my mind it shifted, and all of a sudden I felt like, oh no, they're bad, right? Right, and that's wrong, right? That's flawed, and we'll talk about that. But that was kind of my idea. Oh no, that it it shook me, and now understanding what I understand. My perspective has changed. And so I don't know if anyone who's listening to this might hear us say, oh, we've struggled with pornography ourselves. And they might be shaken. Whoa, these guys, they talk about the gospel so much and and they're doing a podcast about the gospel and they struggle with pornography. That's bad. They're bad. Right. Or, I, not that they're bad, but that might be an initial feeling right. that you would have. And so that's what we want to change here a little bit. Let's first start with kind of our misconceptions about addiction in general and where it comes from and, you know, what's going on in the brain and whatever. So what causes addiction? Or according to our current understanding as a society and a culture, what generally do we believe causes addiction? So, yeah, we believe that there's a chemical hook Mm -hmm. in viewing pornography that Mm -hmm. our brain gets hooked to viewing it. And it's similar to a a drug addiction where you've taken a drug and there's a chemical hook that then hooks you and now you're addicted and you can't escape it. Well, I mean, talking about drug addiction in relation to pornography addiction, how many times have we heard someone say um, pornography is just as addictive or more addicting than uh, like heroin? Right. Right. It's it harder to overcome a pornography addiction than it is to overcome heroin addiction. How many times have we heard that? Right. And, and that's not true. And we'll tell you why. But my thought on that is, is like, even if that was the case at all, Mm -hmm. if you, if your brain can get hooked to something, then that means it can also get unhooked to something. Right. Like it, it doesn't, it's not like, Oh, it got hooked. It can't get unhooked. And I right. think sometimes we believe, oh, well, they're an addict, so they're always going to be an addict. Right. That's just the way it is. It's the, it's just, they chose to do that and they're hooked. And so yeah. they can never get out of it. Right. It, it becomes like a need, like eating or breathing. Right. Like I, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Right. And and so that's where we feel like the, the that we're pulled into it and we have no control anymore. And that's what we think is the case. Right. Right. But there are some problems with that. Major, major problems with that understanding. The first, well, first of all, the the understanding was kind of bolstered by this, by a study that was done a long time ago, 100 years ago or so, with a rat. They put a rat in a cage and they they gave it two water bottles. One had water. One had water with cocaine or heroin. And the rat would always go and get, you know, addicted to the heroin water and just drink it until it died. And so we thought, well, okay, it must be, he had both options. He just chose that. He got that one and there are chemical hooks in it that make it so he had to keep drinking it. Right. In fact, he had to keep drinking it so much that he died from it because right. he had no control. So we thought, okay, well, it's the chemical hooks. If you get, if you start taking drugs or if you start looking at pornography, it's just, it's going to get you. It's going to destroy your life. It's destroy your life. And there's nothing you can do about it. So, um... That's kind of where our, our, our understanding has come from. But the problems are many. <laughs> the, the first problem would be like, for instance, if you go and you break your hip or you break your leg or you, whatever, and you have to go to the hospital and, and, and have some kind of major surgery. Right. And you're in there for a while. Sometimes people are in there for months. Every day they're given 
diamorphine, which is like medical grade heroin, like way stronger, way more pure than any heroin you would, you could ever get on the street ever. Right. And so if there are chemical hooks in drugs, that means that all those people who are getting diamorphine would get out of the hospital and be drug addicts. They would now be addicted to heroin, but it doesn't happen. Like it, not just like that the numbers are like few or like small, but like almost non-existent. Right. I mean, I don't know specifically what the numbers are. There might be some, but I haven't been able to find any cases where that's the case. Right. You know, I haven't heard of any cases where that happened. I think we'd start be putting hospitals out of business if that was yeah. the case, right? Yeah. People don't get addicted to diamorphine in general. Right. Well, how is that possible? If there are chemical hooks and drugs, how are they not addicted? Right. Right. So there's one case where that uh, pokes Flaw, a hole. Flaw. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the theory. There was another study done with rats. Uh in the 1970s by Dr. Bruce Alexander. And he saw that first study and he thought, well, that's interesting, but let's, uh, there are some flaws with it. Let me change the parameters and see what, see what happens. So he put a bunch of rats in a cage with the same two water bottles, but he also put in a bunch of toys and things for them to play with and run on and whatever. And guess what happened? The rats... Tried the water, but they didn't. But they didn't get, get addicted. addicted to it. They didn't. Not a single rat died from it. In fact, most of them tried it, didn't like it, and just drank the regular water. Well, how's that possible? Why? Why? Why would that happen? Well, you got to start looking at the different variables now in the, right. in that the parameters in that study. Right. So the conclusion that they came to was rats are social creatures. Right. They need to connect with other rats. Just like humans are social creatures and we need to connect with other humans. And if we don't, and if they don't, they have emotional pain. Right. And they need to escape it. So if you're a rat by yourself stuck in a cage and all you've got is water and heroin water and you're lonely and you're depressed and you're sad and you have emotional pain and you find something that allows you to escape it. Because this heroin allows you to escape it. It changes your, you know, cognitive awareness. It changes everything. It changes the chemicals in your body. and Makes you feel better. Makes you feel better because it just makes you escape from the pain. Right. Well, you're probably going to keep doing that. Right. Because you've still got the pain even when then, then when you, the heroin wears off, the pain's still there. Right. So you go back to the, the, the heroin again to escape again. Right. And so the problem isn't that there's a chemical hook and so I have to go to this drug. The problem is that there's always this pain and I can't escape it except when I go to this drug. Right. So the problem is the pain is continuing to be there. That's why it feels addicting. Right. I can't avoid it because it's it, there's these chemicals. No, I can't. Av I feel like I can't avoid it because I can't escape any other way from this pain that I, it's always there and I can't escape from it. And so... That's kind of the, that's where um, we've, we've misunderstood the entire conversation. We've misunderstood what causes addiction. We've misunderstood how to approach recovery, how to approach, you know, healing and fixing a problem. Right. Because, I mean, that's the main goal 
right. to really fix the root cause of what is happening, right. not just, oh, life would be great if you just didn't view pornography or just didn't take the drug. Because if you're still right. in pain, if you're right. still suffering, we need to fix that issue, not just as long as you're not you know, participating in the drug or the addiction, then yeah. you're good. No, there's there's still some root cause underneath there that we need right. to solve and fix. Well, and so this is kind of like the archaic um, approach. And as a society, we use a, an archaic approach to a lot of things. And this is one of them. Um, we tend to feel like, well, it's just, it, it's just the chemical hooks. You get addicted if you look at it. So we need to make sure that people don't look at it because then they'll get addicted. Right. And so what we tend to do, we tend to use fear as a motivator. That's a natural tendency of humans. For some reason, we like to use fear to motivate people. We do it to our kids. We try to give them these consequences so that they're afraid to do things, right? right. If you do that, you're going to timeout. Well, it works to um, to an extent, right? It, it, it does um, condition behavior. Right. If a kid doesn't want to go time out, then they won't do that thing. But it's not really changing who they are inside. Right. It's not really changing their heart. It's not really making them want to do good. Right. It's making them afraid to do bad. Right. You know, and, and the truth is that's not sustainable. And it's the same thing here with a pornography addiction or any kind of addiction. We try to use fear to scare people away from it so that they won't you know, get addicted. But the problem is that the root cause isn't really the pornography or the drug. The root cause isn't the chemical hooks. If you look at it, you're not guaranteed to get addicted. The root cause, the root issue is the chronic emotional pain. Right. And if you don't heal that and fix that, you're not really going to fix. You may problem. overcome on a pornography addiction, but you might turn somewhere else for something right. else. You're going to turn somewhere right. else for something. In fact, I read this um, post recently that I think is really brilliant in, in a lot of ways. Some things that I wasn't thrilled with kind of the way that it was approached, but but I really liked the way that they they talked about addiction. And, and they said something like, uh, the motivation to look at pornography is the exact same motivation that someone would have to eat a tub of ice cream or to go for a run, right? Right. It's the same thing, same reason is to escape some kind of pain, some kind of emotional pain, you know, but we don't attach a lot of shame to like eating a bunch of ice cream right. or to going on a run, certainly. Right. And so when a person does go on a run to escape some kind of stress or pain, they don't then feel shamed after, afterwards. Right. They feel good. They've released the stress and the pain and they've, you know, they're rejuvenated. But when a person who feels the same way that a person, you know, going for a run does before they go for a run, they feel that stress and that anxiety, that, you know, pain, and they need to escape it somehow. But if they've choose pornography, all of a sudden they feel a ton of shame. Right. And that's what we, uh, let's talk about that. Right. Um, we need to hop into shame here. Yeah. I've learned a lot about shame and one of the, one of the, one person that I've mm -hmm. learned a lot of shame about shame about, wow, that was a horrible <laughs> sentence. Brene Brown, she's a, she's an author and she's a researcher, a shame and vulnerability researcher. And yeah. she's a professor at the University of Houston, I believe. I think so, yeah. She, in her TED talk, explained shame and guilt like this. Guilt is 
I did something bad. That's mm-hmm. the feeling of, oh, I've done something bad. I probably shouldn't do that. I, I can change now. Yeah. I've done something bad, whereas shame is I am bad. Right. And so so we need to understand that distinction that that guilt can be productive to understand we need to recognize that right. hey, this is not a good right. thing, so we can change. But the problem with shame is shame does not help you change. No, it disempowers you. Right. Because you believe you are those the, things. This, those things, right. You believe you are bad. So it doesn't matter what you do, because right. in at your core you are bad. Right. And that's that's the, a major, major issue right. with with understanding addiction and approaching how to heal it and fix it. When you have all the shame and you turn to pornography to escape that pain and then you feel more shame, so then you feel worse and therefore you have more to escape from. So that's why it feels addicting. Right. That's why it feels so, so powerful because we're not... Not only are we not fixing the root, which is the pain, the emotional pain, but we're adding to it. We're adding to the emotional pain by all the shame. And so it feels stronger and stronger and stronger. So we keep needing more and more and more. And that's why it feels so powerfully addicting. Because we're actually, our our response to it is actually making the root cause of it worse. Right. It's hard to articulate the, the the feelings and the intensity of the feelings. But like, you've got to understand, it's not just like, I feel bad about myself. It's like, I've yeah, like the intensity of that negative emotion is unreal. I mean, it is just like, you are just absolutely hopeless. And by that, I mean, you have no hope. You are done. Your life is over. Right. You are the worst person that ever lived. It, that That's how you feel intensely oh man it's off it's brutal right and that's how a lot of if not all pornography addicts are feeling when they're struggling and when they're when they're viewing it and it's not because necessarily what pornography is doing to their brains as much as it is the way that that the shame what shame is doing to them we've got to start learning how to detach shame from right the addict themselves Right. Um, and and at times the way we approach it, we're kind of perpetuating the problem, and we're actually dumping more shame onto it. Right. Sometimes we're. I mean, there there's a lot of people out there that are trying to really raise awareness and bring awareness to it. And yeah. I, I get it. But sometimes the way we approach it and some of the words we say, if yes. an addict reads it or sees it, they're going to feel like they are bad. Well, okay. So how do we create shame? Like, what are some of the specific ways that we're creating shame around this whole problem? Um, what are some of the things that we say that that create more shame and that create more disempowerment? Well, I mean, there are there are there are several things. Like, I think the the porn kills love movement is mm-hmm. bringing awareness and talking about porn, which I think is a good thing that mm-hmm. we need to to be open and talk about it. But I think sometimes that could be viewed as an from an addict's perspective you're is that they are killing you're love. You're killing love, right? You are bad. Yeah. You are killing love. Yeah. Or we hear that like it's the plague of the earth right. or we yeah. you know we hear just things like that that are a lot of like if you view it once it's going you're never going to get those images out of your head and it's going right. to destroy you like right. where whereas some of those things may be true to an extent yeah. but if we believe them 
we feel like we are bad people. Right. So those things. And so they don't really help us overcome it. Right. So things like that are, are true. Like, um, let's be clear. Pornography is bad. Correct. It is not good at, or okay at all in any way. It, it takes us away from God and yeah. the spirit is not there. That's and right. we need to be with the spirit yeah. and growing closer to God. Yeah. And it does, it does distort sex. Yeah. But the whole point here is like, if we can shift the the perspective and the mindset here, we can shift our focus. We can shift our focus on instead of focusing on the bad and what's destroying things, and focus on how to you know what stop stop focusing on the the old us and start focusing on the new us and and start focusing on on the change versus like I'm so bad and I'm stuck in this. Right. Okay. And so this is where I think we we want to go now. And th- I wrote a blog post, and you've written one as well, and we'll we'll release those um in conjunction with this. I think. But my focus and my point in in mine was to say, for me at least, and and this is what I believe, I totally believe this. This is a quote from Tony Robbins, who I just love, and you know I've talked about him on here many times. Right. I think he's just really great, and he's really smart and and intelligent in the way he approaches things. Um, he says all human behavior is a result of the state we are in. What he means by that, the state you're in. Is your emotional state the way you feel? And we've already discussed chronic emotional pain brings the need to escape from chronic emotional pain. And so we turn to addictions like pornography and and such. And so for me, the key became, well, change my state then. The key was changing my state, changing the way I feel. So speaking from that perspective, when we focus on all the negative things about pornography. There are no po- positive things about pornography, but if we focus on all the scary things about it, how scary it is, how dangerous it is, how powerful it is, how addicting it is, how it destroys love and marriage and families and all these things, that creates an emotional state of fear. Right. It just does. Right? I'm not saying that it isn't all those things. It is. But when we talk about them a lot or focus on them, it makes us feel afraid. And guess what, Josh? What? Fear and faith cannot exist in the same mind at the same time. So if you are afraid of something, you do not have faith. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's true. So how are you supposed to progress and change and be a man or a woman of faith when you have fear, when you're afraid of it? Right. We've got to change that mindset, change that emotional state so that we can be in a state of faith, not in a, a state of fear. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's, for me, that's what the key was. I realized one day, and I, this was after I had, I had struggled. I'd been struggling off and on for a few weeks and I was really bingy. So I would, would struggle and I would feel really intensely shameful and really bad about myself. And so then I would just keep struggling for a long time because it was just hard for me to get back up. Right. And now I understand why, because my emotional state was so poor. But at the time, I just, I was just so down and just feeling just really awful, really awful. And so disempowered and hopeless. The hopeless, that's the key. And that's what I realized in one moment. And I was trying to, I was praying and I was thinking like, I need, I want to be better. I want to, and let me interject really quickly with that. I think sometimes we get afraid that people just, they want to hold on to their addictions and, and they do kind of, they do kind of, but. I guarantee you, I mean, every single pornography addict I've ever talked to, they want to change. Right. The desire is not a problem. Okay. So, but back to my 
my story, I was, and I was praying and I had this dawn on me, this light just popped on in my brain and I realized something and it was just a small thought, but it was, I need hope. And I don't just mean I need, you know, cross your fingers. I hope I can do this. I need to feel hope and I need to feel it all the time. Right. Or I'm not going to be able to do this. And that was the beginning of, for me, understanding the key was emotional state and changing the way I feel. And so I realized I need to feel hope and I need to always feel it. And and so then I, it kind of branched out, I mean, progressed. And I realized I can have hope if I believe that not only can I overcome this, but that it's done. I'm certain. It's guaranteed. There's no doubts. I'm not afraid of it anymore. Right. And in that moment, making that mental shift, I gained a great power over it. All of a sudden, I'm not, I mean, and it, it took some time. That's one thing I'll, I want to emphasize here is that if it takes you some time to, to implement some of these principles and don't beat yourself up. Right. Beating yourself up, in fact, is one of the worst things you can do because it take, it changes your emotional state and it makes it negative. Right. It makes it disempowered. It means it makes it afraid. It makes it doubtful. Right. And the key is your state. You've got to feel good. You've got to feel hopeful. You've got to feel, and this is the real key here. You have to feel certain. What do I mean by you have to feel certain? How would you rephrase that? Well, I mean, we've talked about in previous episodes when we talked about faith, I think we yeah. talked about gaining a, a belief or, you know, a certainty mm-hmm. in something. And so I think that you can't doubt. Right. Certainty, you can't have doubt. And so if you think like, this is going to be hard, but I can't do it. And if you're not right. there yet, if you're not in that certainty state, that's yeah. fine. It's okay. But it's it's about getting there. It's, and And see, like, just going off of what you said, what you're saying here is you were trying to get in the state you're trying to get into that change state where you don't want to view pornography. Right. So not not that yeah. like, well, and just not, that you're not doing it. And not just that I don't want to, but that I believe I don't have to. Right. Or that I believe I can avoid it. Right. I mean, not just, you know, that it's because the desire I think is, is usually there. Right. But but it's you believe. That you don't need it. I don't need it. Right. And I don't want it, so I'm not going to look at it. Right. There's no questions here, no doubts here. That's fine. But I think some of the the things we talked about just a few minutes ago, those beliefs out there are Mm -hmm. that it's hard to overcome and, you know, you're going to struggle with this. And, you know, I'll just even hop in right here. You know, I, many of you have maybe heard this, this phrase before, but you've probably heard once an addict, always an addict. Yeah. And that's a phrase that hasn't really sat well with me. I don't believe that I'm an addict. Yeah. I don't, I don't say I'm a recovering addict. I I just... I have been completely changed by the atonement of Jesus Christ yep. as if it's never happened. Yep. The only reason I'm talking about it now is to to help other people and to share my experiences and to to really, you know, connect with people so that they can know that they can do it too. Exactly. That Let me share really quick um Brene Brown, I love her. Yeah. She's kind of like my Tony Robbins for you, you yeah. know, a little bit like <laughs> yeah. I've read quite a few of her books, but she actually shared something in her book, I believe, The Gifts of Imperfection. This is what she said regarding that kind of that phrase, that idea. She said, I have never felt completely in sync with the recovery community. Abstinence and 12 steps are powerful and profoundly important principles in my life, but not everything about the recovery movement fits for me. For example, millions of people owe their lives to the power that comes from saying, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. 
That's never fit for me. Even though I'm grateful for my sobriety and I'm convinced that it has radically changed my life, saying those words has always felt disempowering and strangely disingenuous for me. Yeah. Because what you're basically doing in my mind when you say, hi, I'm Dallin and I'm a pornography addict, mm -hmm. you're, you're admitting defeat in a sense. Right. You're saying like, I, this is who I am. I, this is yeah. me at my core. I can't I, change. I can't change this. Yeah. I can be a recovering addict my whole life. Yeah. And I get that like the idea behind that is to, is to be honest and open. And I think we right. do need to be open and honest about what is currently going on in our lives. But right. I feel like that phrase in and of itself is labeling you as an addict. And it's, it's, it's sowing that belief in your head that you'll yep. always be an addict. Yep. Well, and it, and it, and it, it's kind of a tricky, I don't, I want to, um, be, be, um, compassionate and careful right. here. And I know you do as well about, cause I think that it, the, the 12 step programs and stuff right. like that have done just amazing, wonderful things. And the church uses a lot of those principles right. when, in, in their recovery programs and they're just amazing, just wonderful. And they've done so much good and helped so many people. Right. But to me, the idea, especially this phrase, once an addict, always an addict, it, it flies in the face of the atonement. Right. Doesn't it? And, I mean, that, and that's my point. It's like, I don't think that even the church would, even though yeah. they teach, they use the 12-step program, would ever right. say that you couldn't fully right. change and not be an addict anymore. Yeah. But I think that even, I think someone needs to say it because I think that that could be a belief in someone's right. head. Right. Because it might not be clearly well, stated. Especially because of the way that we we talk about pornography, we're constantly, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to constantly be be putting up, uh, you know, you put up your filters and you got to just be constantly aware of where it is and just avoid all these things. And then we talk about how bad it is. If you see it, it's just going to destroy you. It, it destroys love. It destroys marriage. It, and so it creates this kind of feeling of fear. And so we're, we're constantly like just a little bit afraid of it. And it, it keeps us it keeps us addicted right. in a sense, right? It it adds to that idea of once an addict, always an addict. You, you feel like it's so powerful because we're taught that. It's right. really powerful. It's so powerful that I'm going to have to struggle with this my whole life. I'm going right. to have to make sure this that is my I'm, trial. Right. right. This is my, yeah. I want to, I want to stop you really quick there. I mean, mm -hmm. you mentioned like filters and, mm -hmm. and I, and I know you didn't mean it like this, but yeah. I want to be clear. Like I, I don't think I don't have anything right. against putting uh, up filters course, or yeah. making sure you're in the right place at the right time that you're not Absolutely. putting, being presented in front of temptation or something that you may struggle with right. or have a weakness for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I know you didn't mean it like that. Yeah. But what the point is though, is that you're getting the change to happen so that it's not the filter that's protecting you. It's your own heart and your the, own, like you, you've oh, been yeah. changed. I love the way you just said that. It's not the filter that's protecting you. The filter is great. It, do it. Get a filter. Right. Get a filter for your computers. But the, the end goal is that you have been so completely changed that yeah. you don't need it. You right. don't want it. You don't desire it. You don't seek it. Right. And if you're not there yet, that's fine. I wasn't there a right. while it ago. It takes a little bit it of takes time. A little bit of time yeah. But I'm there now. I just don't, I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid to right. help other people with it. And I'm not afraid to, like, I'm not afraid of falling again. Yeah. I liked when you, because I wrote, read your post that you wrote and you you mentioned this. Um, I may fall like, again. Right. I never plan on viewing pornography again. Right. I never plan on having an addiction again. Right. In fact, you plan on not. Right. It's not. A, it's not going to happen. Right. But I, if I'm being completely honest with myself, uh -huh. it is not out of the realm of possibility. I right. mean, well, it, and see, it could happen. What if I fall into some negative emotional state and I turn to it again? Right. But I'm not afraid of that happening. 
Right. And because you're, and the point is that you're not afraid. And the, because you're not afraid, it's, it's not going to happen. You, and it's right? not going to happen. Right. I love the story in the Bible about Peter walking on the water, right? And we've talked about this in previous episodes. When was it that he started to sink? It's when he started doubting. It's when he started doubting. When he started fearing. He was walking on the water fine before that. Right. Because he was confident. He was faithful. He had faith. He had certainty that he can do it. So you're saying an analogy here. If I'm confidently walking on the water of, um, mm-hmm. I believe that I that you're have not no a, need for that you're this. you're not a person. And I'm that, not I even thinking about it. I'm just living my life as a changed person. I'm not yeah. just in constant fear of you know, falling into addiction again, then I'm not going to. I'm going to keep walking on the water. Whereas if I'm in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, well, what if I fall again? Like, I'm afraid of that happening. Well, right, exactly. And so, and again, like sometimes this is a tricky conversation to have because we want to make sure that we're careful about um, not like disparaging anybody's approach to it a little bit. And because I think that people are really, the intention is so good. Right. And we're really just trying to get it out of our lives because it is bad. Right destructive and we want it out but it's all about the emotional state and so when we feel fear in any way when we feel fearful of it a little bit even just a little bit afraid or a little bit nervous it's going to affect us negatively it's going to disempower us in our journey or our quest to overcome it and so the key is to maintain the proper emotional state and the proper emotional state is certainty and so if you don't feel certain that's okay that's your goal. Your goal is to feel certain. So start doing things in your life that are going to make you certain, that are going to make you feel more empowered, which means that you start believing in your mind. You start visualizing yourself being successful. You start believing in your mind. Jesus has already paid for this. He can heal me. He can save me right now. He can do it this instant. There's a quote that we read in our episode about repentance from Elder Holland, and I'll read it again right now. You can change anything you want to change, and you can do it very fast. That's another satanic sucker punch, that it takes years and years and eons of eternity to repent. It takes exactly as long to repent as it takes you to say, I'll change and mean it. If you believe in your heart and you desire in your heart truly and sincerely to be free of this thing, to be free of pornography, it's done. What I mean is that when I say believe in your heart, I mean really believe it. They're not doubting. Right. Your goal is to get yourself to believe it. And if you don't believe it fully, that's okay. You're working toward believing it fully. That's your task, to believe it fully and to become more and more certain right. that you have power over it, that you can overcome it. And you can do it quickly, like Elder Holland just said. You can do it easily. You can do it quickly. That's, I think, our goal here today is to bring hope to the conversation like we would mentioned before. Right. To say you can do it. And, and you can do it quickly. And you can do it easily. That's the power of faith. That's the, the power of the atonement. Right. He can change you in an instant, in a heartbeat. You can do it. And believing and being fearful and believing that, well, I don't know if I can. If I can or I, it's so hard to overcome. It's so scary. It's so dangerous. It is bad. Right? That's true. But it's really only as powerful as you believe it is. Right. And that's what I experienced in my life. When I started detaching the shame from it and I stopped believing that I am bad and started believing that I was changed and just starting saying, I'm changed. I'm done. I trust Jesus. He's taken it. I give it to him. And I just started saying those things over and over again. And I started trying to believe those things every day. Right. 
it started changing pretty quickly. And, 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 and I mean, that's what I mean. You can change in an instant. Look at Alma the Younger. In an instant, he called on Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. And as, uh, you know, the moment he thought those things, his joy was as, as exceeding as was his pain. It, it was taken away immediately. And he was out destroying the church. Yeah. Yeah. He, he says, uh, I had murdered many of his children, and it, not physically, but spiritually. Right. Which is really, really terrible. He, he had hope. We have just as much hope as he does, even if we struggle with any kind of addiction. And especially understanding and reframing it and understanding that addiction is really coming from this pain inside you and that you need to fix the pain and heal the pain. That's where our energy needs to be going. What's that other quote that I love that talks about the key to change? It's by, well, it's actually by a guy named Dan Millman, but people attribute it to Socrates and I'll tell you why in a second. But the quote is, the secret to change is to focus all of your attention, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And why? Because what you focus on shapes your emotional state. And your emotional state, as we talked about, determines whether you succeed or whether you fail. So if you want to overcome pornography, you need an emotional state that empowers you, which is certainty, love, hope, peace, joy, those things. You need to feel those things. And you can get those from a lot of different places. Yeah. And one of the main places you can get it from is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Right. I, I just feel like we need to start believing more in the power of the atonement yeah. than believing than the power and fearing the power of pornography. Yeah, exactly. So it's not about saying pornography isn't bad. It's about saying Jesus is good and he is powerful. And more powerful. Way, way more, powerful. more powerful. Right. You yourself are more powerful than right. pornography. Right. That's a thing that I think sometimes we, we'd mentioned this the other day. Um, you and I are, are members of the Church of Jesus Christ. Right. Of Latter-day Saints, and we believe in him. Not everybody is. And there are many people who, who don't believe in God and they don't believe in Christ, but who struggle with a pornography addiction and they want to have freedom from it too. And my invitation is to turn to Christ and, and to ho have hope in him. But if, even if you can't muster that, you can still change. Right. And you can still do it quickly because it's all about your emotional state, where you are. Change your emotional state. Right. But I, my point was just that if there are people who are hearing this who, are, who don't believe in God or they struggle to believe in God or they, just, you know, you can still change too. Right. And, my, and I invite you to pray to God and I invite you to come to know Christ. And I testify that he's real and he's just powerful. But just don't start doubting that you can change ever. Because right. you can just change. You can change. And you can do it quickly. Right. And you can do it powerfully. Well, we've been talking a lot about addiction and pornography addiction. Mm -hmm. And we've been speaking about principles that we've come to learn and know about it and how to overcome it. And mm -hmm. what's helped us overcome it in our own lives. Yeah, And we've been focused on talking kind of directly to maybe someone who's addicted or who's a recovering addict or who yeah. may be struggling with it. I want to maybe take a moment to maybe talk to someone who may be supporting yeah. someone because this yeah. is a conversation that I mean, we've had with several people that have a loved one who's, mm -hmm. who's an addict and we've had conversations with them. And so we've been trying to explore this topic. And, mm -hmm. and so we want to maybe use our own experiences to shed a little light on on how maybe someone supporting an addict could really continue to help and really right. support the addict. Right. And so I want to start off by just saying, 
everyone's situation is different. Yeah. I don't know what you've been through as the, you know, the supporter. I don't know what you've gone through. Maybe trust has been broken. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, it's been hidden from you and mm-hmm. this is a very hurtful and painful thing. I do not want to d- diminish. I don't know what you're going through. Right. Yeah. I don't want to diminish the emotions and the feelings that you've had yeah. as you've discovered that your loved one has a pornography addiction. It can right. be a very hard thing or any, any other addiction. Right. It can be a very hard thing emotionally to deal with. And, and I don't want to downplay that at all by any means. I think number one, they have to believe that their addict can overcome it. Yes. The the emotional state is not only important for the addict, but it's also important for the person supporting and loving an addict. Because if they're attaching shame to the addict, they're perpetuating the problem. They're not helping the addict. And I think that's, that's one important thing that I want to make very clear is never, ever, ever shame right an addict and and how how you may ask like how you may do that i mean maybe you're getting in some little argument or something like that and you pull up well if you wouldn't have looked at pornography like right. if you're going to stab them with you know keep holding on to this and not letting it go right you need to learn just as much as they need to learn just as much as i need to how learn how to trust jesus how to trust jesus and yeah. use the atonement so if yeah. if you want any idea of what you could study and what how you, you could you know help I would say number one, you need to study the atonement because like, yeah. you because we need to learn how to not only you know be forgiven but to forgive. Yeah, we do. We need to learn how to let go of things, and I, this is going to be really hard. Right, forgiveness can be really hard, especially if someone that you love that you've trusted and a trust has been broken. Right, that can be really hard. But it's but, what's required. But of at us. the same time. It can be really hard, but it also can be very easy. Yeah. Like we've talked about, if you with, believe it, right. that it that it's that you can do it, right? If you're certain that you can do it, absolutely. You know, you can change just as quickly as you believe you can, right? You know, and you can forgive just as quickly as you believe you can, right? But it can be a challenge in a process of learning how to become certain about that. But that's the goal, you know. Right. Another point we've kind of talked on with the addict themselves to not fear the addiction. Mm-hmm. This is, needs to be a, a, an important point for someone supporting is mm-hmm. I think that especially if it's like in a marriage, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I'm going to use the wife here because probably it's a lot of times that way, but it mm-hmm. could be the other way around. But the significant other may fear it happening again and right. may constantly focus on the fear that this is going to happen again. This is going to happen right. again. Whereas they're f- so focused on that, that that's not going to be helping the problem either. Right. Because it's going to keep them in the negative emotional state. So I would say like, you know, one thing that's really empowering is to tell someone that you love. I mean, talking about it is just awesome. We're afraid to talk about it. And this is, let's talk about this for a second, because sometimes trust has been broken. And the reason is because they've hidden it right. Right, for a long time. But why did they hide it? Because of shame. Right. They're, they're, they're terrified of what you'll think of them. And, and the reason that they're terrified is because of all the, we constantly talk about how bad it is. Right. And then we constantly believe that people who are struggling with it are bad. Right. And so when you're someone who's struggling with it, you're afraid to tell someone you love because you're afraid they're going to think that you're bad. I think there's another thing to bring up here that's very important is I think how this may look to a woman, because our society body shames women um, a lot nowadays. And I think a very common misconception or misunderstanding of a Mm -hmm. pornography addiction is probably feeling bad about their own body. They're feeling like, oh, I wasn't good enough. enough. Wasn't enough for him to connect with me or my body's not as pretty as this body that he's looking at. And, And like you talked about earlier, it's really that, 
that chronic emotional pain right. it doesn't that really Isla have caused. anything to do with sex really even right and i think that's clear because i think that is not widely understood right um and and maybe there may be cases i don't know every sure. situation but i think for the most part it's that it's they're not looking at pornography because you're not beautiful enough right there, there's some deeper rooted issue that's going on yeah. and so i think that's a lot of what's causing the pain especially for a woman in that scenario say we mm-hmm. have that scenario where a pornography addict husband mm-hmm. or significant other has hidden this addiction and then the woman finds out the trust is broken and now yeah. she feels worthless. Right. Because now she feels shame. Right. And this yeah. is a, it's a big old huge problem. You can see now as we're explaining shame yeah. and how it works, how it's working on both sides of yep. the situation, just destroying the marriage, which right. is what it does. But we need yeah. to have, like you said, that open line of communication. We need to figure this all out. Yeah. See, in the post that I, I mentioned earlier, um, he, he actually says, you know, that shame is the enemy. And I think that that might be totally accurate. Right. It's the emotional pain is the enemy, but shame is 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 really the one that's adding the fuel to that fire. Right. It might even be the cause of it in the first place. Shame is, yeah, it's feeling like we are bad. I, like, I think that Brene has described it as feeling like you're unworthy of love and happiness as right. well. And that's a, a big issue. I know that was definitely true for me. Absolutely true for me. Felt like I didn't deserve to be happy or to be loved. Right. And so that's why, and I would feel hopeless. And then I would turn to pornography because I was trying to escape that feeling. And so that's got to be addressed. When you heal the root cause, the root issue, the symptoms go away. Right. So when you heal the chronic emotional pain and you, you, and you, and you explore that and why is it really happening? What are you really feeling and believing about yourself that is causing you so much pain? Let's heal those things and let's, re- let's fix this. The pornography addiction lessons and lessons and lessons and just goes away right when you start to become empowered and you start to believe not only can i do this but i've done it it's already done i believe it i'm i'm totally certain that i've done it totally certain that i'm i've overcome it i'm not a person who struggles with pornography anymore i'm not a person who who needs it right i'm not afraid of it when you start to believe those empowering thoughts and you tell yourself those things over and over and over again all the time every day and you start to believe those things and start to detach the shame from it so even when you do if you do relapse and have struggles along the way which i've had right you can get back up quicker right and you just say okay it's no big deal i messed up let's just keep going right because i'm just going to continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger and that's one thing that kind of disempowers is that like along a recovery process and for somebody who's supporting someone who's struggling they might relapse and then that person might say, well, all's lost and you start over again. Right. You go back to square one and that's not true. Look at all the things you, look at all the progress you have made. Look at all the times over the last few months or even if it's just a week or something. Think about all the times that you said, no, I'm not going to do that. And you and you chose to try to think empowering thoughts. Right. Don't, don't just disregard those. Right. Those are all, every single tiny little time that you decided, no, I want to be different and I want to be better. Those count too. And so just keep trying to focus on the certainty and and develop that certainty and cultivate that certainty that not only can I do this, but I've done it. Right. It's guaranteed. It's happened. Right. Jesus is so strong and so powerful and he's already healed me and fixed me and changed me and I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. I don't need it anymore. Right. It's over. And you keep doing that and you keep doing that and keep telling yourself that until you believe it more and more. And you can tell what you believe by the way you feel. So if you feel certain, I'm certain that I that I am over this. 
that's where you, what you're aiming for is gaining that certainty. Right. Because that's going to determine whether you succeed or whether you fail. So going back to helping someone to overcome an addiction, your role can be the same. How, whatever you can do to continue to strengthen and cultivate that feeling of certainty in them. I told a, an experience just recently to someone else about, uh, I was sort of dating a girl and, and I told her about it. And the way she reacted was awesome. And I can't remember specifically what she said, but it, I didn't feel any type of shame from her at all. She was so hopeful and positive. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me. I love you. Right. How cool was that? All of a sudden, I felt so empowered. I felt like all of a sudden this connection was there. I felt a deeper love for her. I felt a deeper love for myself. I felt empowered like I could do it. See, and I, you, t- you touched on something interesting there. You, you brought in the whole dating situation. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that for a second. I was in my singles ward once. Mm-hmm. believe it was a ward conference. Mm-hmm. And we were doing question and answer with the stake presidency and mm-hmm. the bishop and you could either, they, weeks before they'd written out questions or you could text them in at a mm-hmm. number and they were reading them off of an iPad or something. So one of the questions was, the guy I'm dating has a pornography addiction or struggling with pornography. Should I continue uh-huh. dating him? Yeah. It was funny because the bishop had just answered another question, was about to sit down uh-huh. and they read that question and whoever was moderating or whatever had the mic just said, well, before you sit down, how about you answer this one? And he, he grabbed the mic and just had like this dazed, confused look on his face. and Or the, I think part of the question was they're working with the bishop. Like uh, uh-huh. the, he's he's struggling with it, but he's working with the bishop. He's trying to overcome it or whatever. And he just had this dazed look on his face. And he's just like, the question was, should I continue dating him? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and then just like handed the mic and sat down. Yeah. Like, like it was like a no brainer to him. Right. And I think a lot of times in, especially in the Mormon culture a little bit, because we've you know, talked about how bad it is, which it is bad, but we've yeah. piled so much of that shame and yeah, we've focused on we focused so much on it yeah. that it's almost like if I'm a girl and I'm not saying all girls are like this, they're not, but I just think that that perception's out there like, oh, you struggle with pornography. Oh, I can't date you. Or right. you're not a return missionary. Oh, I can't right. date you. And, I'm going to you know, find someone who doesn't struggle, who's right. never had that issue, who doesn't have problems and who's, you know. Right. And then just some of my own personal experience, I when I started dating the girl that I'm now engaged to, my fiance. Yeah, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. That was, it wasn't one of my very first conversations with her, Mm -hmm. but it was early on in our relationship. I think it was only two weeks in, three Mm -hmm. weeks into our relationship. And I just, you know, told her, hey, you know, I wasn't currently struggling with it at the time. Yeah. It had been several years, yeah. but I wanted I wanted an open line of communication. Yeah. I wanted trust. I wanted honesty. And so I just, you know, I said, this is something that's in my past. I don't mm-hmm. plan on this happening again, but I want to be close to you and connected with you and yeah. you to be able to trust me. And I want to hide anything from you. And so yeah. this is, you know, and I just talked to her about it. And she was loving just like your yeah. experience. Yeah. And for me too, it was important to be like, hey, I need you to know this about me. Yeah. So that I, so that you can decide whether you really love me. Cause I, if that's going to be an issue. So that you can decide if that's something that you can, can handle. Right. You know, and she thanked me too. Like, I mean, it was, that was huge. That was a huge kind of moment for us because then we were able to grow yeah. closer together. And I've had, I remember, um, I don't I can't remember when it was, but a little while back and I had relapsed and I called you up and I told you about it. Right. right? And it, it was like out of the blue for you, right? You were probably like, what in the world? Right. Didn't even, we hadn't, we didn't really talk about it before then, right. you know, much. And how empowering that was for me. Well, I still remember, I almost brought it up, yeah. but you keep talking. So I always forget my thoughts, <laughs> yeah. but I, I remember 
that day still. Yeah. I remember where I was. I remember everything. Uh. And you, like you just said, matter of factly, hey, I slept up today. Yeah. I just wanted to tell you, I, I needed to tell I someone. I needed to tell someone, yeah. And you, you specifically told me like, I just need to tell someone, you know, talk to you about it for a minute just so I can get back up and start going in because yeah. that's a big thing. I experienced that in my own addiction yeah. is when you slip up, even if you like unintentionally see something, yeah. you feel the shame. Like, like I was actually talking to someone a little while ago and they were looking at some hashtag on Instagram, mm-hmm. just some innocent hashtag, nothing yeah. related to pornography at all. Just a normal hashtag, just scrolling through, looking at the pictures related to this hashtag. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what, what was there? Oh, a pornographic image. Yeah. Messed up the whole rest of their day. They felt negative the whole day. They felt shame. They felt like a right. bad person. She felt like she was a bad person, right? right? And, Isn't and, that interesting? And that's super interesting because the problem is, is even if you go, you know, like in your case there, or I've done it before too, where you intentionally go seek it yeah, out yeah. and then then you see it and you're like, oh crap, I'm a bad person. And then you just downward spiral from that right. point. You're just like, well, I've already seen it. So I might as well just indulge now. Right. And then you just I start. I am terrible and disgusting. So right. I might as well just stop trying. Exactly. Right. And when you were talking a little bit ago about detaching that shame, it's it's all about like, okay, I messed up. Let's hop back up. We right. got the atonement. And that's not to say, oh, just go abuse the atonement. Go no, go keep messing up. Like yeah. if you're thinking that, you're you're missing the point. Yeah. But we're just trying to empower people and help people understand yeah. that like the Savior has paid for everything. Right. All of our wrongdoings. He's right. paid for all of them. Yeah. And we need to focus on him and just focus on empowering being empowered so that we don't keep falling. Right. The way that you apply the atonement to your life is through faith. Right. You have to believe in him and believe really that he has the power to do it and that he wants to do it. He said that. And he said, as often as my people repent in the sincerity of their hearts, I will forgive them their trespasses. Right. So he's already promised us, if you repent, you are forgiven. Right. In the sincerity of your heart. And so I think sometimes we get too hard on ourselves and think, well, you know, I haven't repented enough. I haven't earned it yet. So I don't deserve to be happy or feel good yet. Right. But the truth is, you'll never feel like you deserve it now. Right. You, I, I can say that from personal experience. Years and years and years of beating myself up and never feeling like, okay, now I've beat myself up enough. Right. Now I can feel good. It comes when you decide, I can feel good now. Right. I trust Jesus. He has the power to well, do this. And that's because you were trying to pay for it yourself. Right. Yep. Yep. And now I was letting him, Jesus pay for it. He already did. Right. And I can't pay for it anyway. Right. No one can. Well, that's what I think is great about the episodes we've released so far. Yeah. I feel like they've all led up to this. Yeah. We, we, our first episode, we talked about loving ourselves yeah. and knowing that God truly loves you yeah. more than anything. Then, then we talked about grace yeah. and trying to understand that and for two episodes. Then we moved on to faith mm-hmm. and then we moved on to repentance. And now we're here. And those previous episodes yeah. are kind of steps we also need to take to get to the point. Yeah. Where we can actually overcome this addiction. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as we navigate this experience and 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 let's be honest, there are a very high percentage of people in the world that have experience with it. Right. Whether they whether we know it or not, whether they say it or not, whether they, you know, whether they currently struggle or how long they struggle or how intense it is, I don't know. Right. But most people have had experience with pornography and we need to know how to navigate that. Right. We need to know that it's about empowering. It's about what you believe about yourself. 
And the way that you create belief and the way that belief is manifested is in the way that you feel. And so in order to overcome an addiction, you have to cultivate the right state, the right emotional state, one of empowerment, one of belief, one of positivity, one of hope, one of confidence, one of certainty, right? And so as someone who struggles with an addiction or someone who's helping someone who struggles with an addiction, understand where the real cause of addiction is coming from and it's not, they're not evil and bad. They have pain and they don't know how to deal with it. They need help. They need support. They need love. Because why do they need love? Because love kills porn. That's right. Porn doesn't kill love. That's right. Like all these things are true. Porn pornography is bad and it, and it, and it has a really negative effect in the world and it distorts sex and all that stuff we've talked about. But what you focus on creates your emotional state. So if you focus on all of that bad stuff, you're going to create an emotional state of fear and worry and doubt. If you have fear and worry and doubt, do you have faith? No. Can you accomplish what you're set out to accomplish if you have doubt and fear? No. No. You need to cultivate a, an emotional state of certainty, confidence, faith, trust, love. And the more intensely that you cultivate that, those feelings, and the more frequently that you do, the quicker that determines the, the speed at which you'll be able to change. And it can happen in an instant. It can take some time. It doesn't really matter. The goal is that you're moving toward building faith. Right. And you're moving and, and you're doing that by being aware of how you feel all the time and changing how you feel if you feel negative. And if you look, if one thing that you can do is creating a, a, an openness about it, you're detaching the shame. So you go to someone and you go to your wife or your spouse or your, your husband or whoever, if you're struggling and you say, I'm struggling today, I messed up. And, and, and I hope and I pray that the person who you're, you tell will have the um, faith in Christ enough and trust in him that an understanding that it's a process and that they can help you get in the right emotional state. See, but the problem though is if they haven't previously talked to them yet, they're afraid of how they're going to react. They're afraid that they're not going to understand it. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't told your significant other yet um, that you're struggling with it, maybe we can help in some way. Maybe you should listen to this podcast episode together. I, sure. I you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to, cause I think that there is a fear that they're going to lash out. Yeah. And, I mean, cause it is going to be an emotion. Like you got to understand as the addict, yeah. like it is, their trust yeah. is being broken. This is an emotional feeling yeah. for them. So like, I don't necessarily even like their reaction is probably not like, it's just how they're feeling. Like, you know, right. so it's like, I don't blame them per, no, per se. No, I don't blame them. And I think it's important to understand, to, to, to validate and recognize their feelings right. of hurt as well. Right. But it, the problem is, is sometimes those feelings of hurt are then just going to make the addict feel worse. Right. And so, yeah, there may be a time period of this is hurt and painful, but you got to, the communication has to happen. Yeah. You have to be open. And the more and more open you can be about it, even since then, like, even though I haven't had a um, an addiction to pornography for, it's been two and a half, three years now. I don't mm -hmm. even remember. I don't count anymore. Well, I think, uh, can we let's talk about that? Talk about that for a second. I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by saying, how long has it been? Right. I don't care. Right. I don't care how long it's been. Well, I, in my post, I said, I kind of used the, 
Hulk like days yeah. without incident counter, you know, yeah. like in the movie, the Hulk, it, yeah. you know, when has he had his last incident? And I think we do that as yeah. addicts a lot. And we feel like we have to start all the way over at the beginning when right. we fail. Right. And I think that is a disservice to us. Yeah. But even though I haven't struggled with it, with it um, in my relationship with my fiance now, there have been two times that I can remember. One of the times I was actually on the phone with her and sh- we were looking at something mm-hmm. together. Like she sent me a link to something. And like I clicked on it and I was looking at it and then like I hit some other, it was like a Tumblr or something. Uh I hit some other link on that page by accident and a pornographic image came up. And so I just told her right then, you know, I took it off the screen and then it's happened before when I was searching something online and I just like, oh yeah, this happened. I just tell her Mm -hmm. because we have that open line of communication and I'm not like, oh, I, I, you know, I never indulged in any of it, but you're the world we live in, you're going to. Incident, you're going to encounter it. Yeah. Your and kids are going to encounter it. Yeah. We've got to be able to talk about it. Well, and we have to be able to talk about it. And we also have to empower our kids so that they don't feel like their whole life is ruined when they accidentally see it. Right. Or even if they purposely see it for uh, right. once or twice or, or however many times. But but it's about empowering them to feel like they, they're becoming a person who doesn't need it. Right. Who doesn't want it. Because they, like you said, they are going to encounter it. No matter how many filters you have on here or there or whatever, they're going to see it sometime. Because the world we live in. And it's about like taking the fear away from it and saying, instead of saying, oh, I hate this world. This world is so bad. I hate pornography. I hate this. I hate that. You know, you're you're putting all this negative emotion on it and you're right. putting all this shame on it. You're adding a lot of fear to it. Like, let's just focus on you focus. What does it say? Focus not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Right. You focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. You focus on who you want to be, not on who you were or who you are afraid you might become. Or what you're afraid you might do. You focus on what you want. But sorry, this was that was a little tangent. I like that your conversation here, that you're that it can be painful for someone who's finding out. And it can be hard for somebody who's struggling to go and tell someone. And they might have hidden it for a long time. Right. And that's when the fear of like how they react comes in. The trust is broken right. because it's been hidden. But right. the the reason it's been hidden is just because of the shame. Right. And they're feeling really really terrible about themselves. I think that we all have addictions. Think about you using your cell phone, maybe. Right. How often do you go to your cell phone? How often do you go check Instagram or Facebook? Do you ever escape to that place? Do you ever escape to eating ice cream? Do you ever escape to going for a run or watching Netflix, just binge watching some TV show for hours and hours on end? That's really not that much different than that person going to pornography. The the actual the thing that they're escaping to is bad, right? But the motivation is the same, and you do it too. You just do it in a different way, right? And so I think that as we start to understand what really causes addiction, um, it can help us to to like manage our emotions about it. It can help us to if someone comes to us and says, "I've been struggling with this addiction for a long time," instead of getting hurt, we can understand. The reason that they haven't told me is because they're scared, right. like a child. Sometimes we think that adults are um, put together <laughs> and they've got things figured out in their lives right. and that they don't have struggles and, and issues. And, but adults are often just like little kids. Sometimes we're scared just like little kids. Right. We don't know how to express it, so we hold it in and we don't express it at all. I think men especially, men are ashamed. Uh, reading in um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, actually. Right. And she mentioned a man who came to her. I remember Do you that. remember this? Yeah. And, and he asked, well, what about men, basically? Because she focused a lot on the shame of women. Shame, right. Women get shamed because women get, experience tons of shame. Right. 
but men do too. And, and, and that's not often talked about. And that's kind of part of the issue is that men, he says, the way men experience shame is in don't show weakness. Right. You can't show any kind of weakness. We're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to feel emotions, you know, vulnerable emotions. We're not allowed to show any kind of weakness. And so when a man has a pornography addiction, it's showing weakness. It's showing weakness. By admitting that. Well, by admitting it, but by be even having it. Right, right. And so when he go, and plus he's afraid. He's afraid of how, what you'll think of him. He's afraid that you'll think that he's worthless because he already thinks he's worthless. Right. And so you can understand kind of the fear. You know, there's not fear. There's not like shame attached to like going for a run, right? Or, or, or working out or watching Netflix even as much. So if you have an addiction to that or to your phone, you don't necessarily feel like, Ashamed to go and tell your friend or your husband or whoever, hey, I think I'm having an addiction to this, to my phone. Right. It's not that big of a deal. But with pornography, it's a huge deal. Right. And there's lots of fear involved. So that's a, a, a reason why they might be afraid to talk. In Brene's TED Talk, I believe it was, she talked about empathy versus sympathy, which right. I found really interesting. And they made like a, like a little uh, animated short about it, which was nice. And and, you know, sympathy is just kind of like, I would kind of define it as like going through the motions of feeling for feeling someone, stuff for someone, or, or as empathy is actually feeling for them. Sympathy is like silver lining things. Like you're trying to, to say, oh, you had this painful experience, but at least you'd still have your health or at least, you, you know, you're not really recognizing and validating how they feel. And some, I do this sometimes too, where I'm like, I just want to fix it. I just want to, let's just like... I can see you what the problem is and I can see what the solution is and let's just get to the solution because I don't want to waste my time like feeling these emotions that I don't need to feel. But that's not what we're asked to do. We're asked to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. We're asked to empathize. We're asked to feel with people, to hold space with them, meaning you're just there. You don't even have to have the right words, but you're there, you're acknowledging and recognizing and validating the fact that they feel something and it allows them to process it and work through it in a healthy environment and they can then let it go. Right. And so it's, that's important to recognize if you're the addict to also understand that it's going, it's probably going to be a painful experience for them too. But again, going back to our plan of action, you need certainty so you can't be afraid of that go into it believing they're going to react in a positive healthy way right i believe that and you go into it being vulnerable right and saying and maybe you you can um you can you said we they can listen to this together or or maybe you can go and we'll put a link to this video that i found that talks about the real causes of addiction and i think that's important that's a good first step to understanding right because then you're understanding a different approach and you're saying it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with sex or sexual desire or temptation as much as it does with emotional pain. And you can go to them and say, this is how I feel. And, and, and because, and, and I've struggled with this, this addiction. And maybe and we I, can post a few things from Brene Brown, maybe some TED yeah. talks or something about shame or guilt. So that try yeah. to help understand that. But it, it really is a very important step. I mean, I've learned from Brene Brown that vulnerability is very empowering. Yeah. And I've used it in many different ways, not just in this scenario, but in, in other situations I've used being vulnerable as an empowering yeah. um, technique that, that really helped me learn and grow certain things. 
But I just want to just say that having you as my cousin mm. and a close friend has been very beneficial for me as I have been able to overcome a pornography addiction, being open and being able to talk to you. And then now my fiance and soon to be wife, just mm. being able to talk to her and be open with her is just, it's it's been amazing. And I just want to testify that addictions thrive in secrecy. Mm-hmm. And and when we can be vulnerable and connect with other human beings, whether that be, you know, your spouse, which is probably the most important, mm-hmm. your significant other, you know, a close friend, a parent, mm-hmm. a sibling, a bishop, yeah. you know, we need to to connect with other humans as we, you know, go through and take kind of some of the steps and things we've talked about in this episode mm-hmm. of of the certainty, of not fearing it, of detaching the shame as we are doing these things. Uh, connecting with other humans, even though it may be hard initially, mm-hmm. you will find that it becomes a lot easier to the point where, you know, months or years ago, I wouldn't have thought I'd be talking about my own addiction yeah. on, a, on a podcast episode yeah. that I'm going to release, you know, like right. it, it just, it, it was a scary thing to right. me and it's not scary anymore. It's not anymore. scary anymore, right. So I, I appreciate you and I appreciate my fiance mm-hmm. for that connection I'm able to have with them and, and talk about it. Well, and I reciprocate. That I said that word wrong. I, I reciprocate. It's a hard word to say. It is a hard word to say. But thank you too. Because I, I mean, that day when I called you up and said, I, I had a relapse, that was so empowering for me. Because I mean, uh, just to have someone to be able to say it, just to say the words. And, and I kind of detached the emotion from it and I just said it. I just say it. Okay. It's no big deal. Not that it's not, not that it's, oh, that, that it's good or that it's okay, but that it, it wasn't a big deal. Who right. cares? It's not, it's not a scary thing. It helped to detach the fear. Right. To be able to talk about it with you and, and with some of these other people that I've been able to talk with it about. But so thank you too, because I think that it, it really helps. And obviously it helped because you experienced it too. Right. So you know. But I think that anyone can understand addiction. So if you're someone who's helping someone and they come to you, like maybe try to find, Brene Brown says this about empathy. She says, it's trying, you have to connect with something inside yourself that knows the same feeling. Hmm. And sometimes you can't get the exact same feeling, but you can get something similar. But in this case, I think most of us can understand the the, the pull of addiction, whether it be with our smartphone or our Netflix or our eating or whatever, we might be able to find something that makes us feel disempowered right. and afraid. And so we could kind of connect with them in that way. And say, oh, I'm so sorry that you've experienced this pain. And how can I help you? And here's how you can help me. And the person who's the addict can go and say, how can I help you too? Because I, I want to be able to better our relationship. And I want to be better as a person. And I want to have a strong, healthy life and a help, healthy relationship. How can we work together? You know, I think that, that uh, talking about it, Oh man, it's so powerful. It's so empowering. And that's why coming on here, like you just said, you never would have thought you'd you'd mention it, you'd say it on on a podcast, but like I'm not afraid at all. Right. I'm not worried about it at all. I, I like what are people gonna think of us? I like don't care. I'm, just, I'm just not even worried about it. And and I'll be honest, like my my experience with it, my relapse, last latest relapse was much more recent than yours. Right. I mean, within the last few months. But before that it was year before that it was three years like i don't but i don't care like i still am in the habit of kind of counting like we talked about right but i think i've gotten less and less 
stingy about that. I don't care how long it's been. Right. Where's your heart? Where are you aimed? Where, where do you believe? And, and what's the emotional state you're in? And let's try to just focus on, focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. Right. But I think that the point it might, I was making was that sometimes we get like, you know, we're so afraid of talking about it. I'm, I'll talk about it with anyone. I don't care. Right. And, and it wasn't even that long ago for me. So even if you're a person who's struggling today or just last week or sometime, like it doesn't matter. Right. I don't care one bit. I don't care how long it's been for you. You can do this. I believe in you. I know you can do it. I know anyone can do it. Right. We have the power of the atonement. We have the power of belief. We have the power of emotional state. We can do it. We can do this. Focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. Focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new, building what you want out of your life. I testify with all that is in me that you can change and you can do it quick. And you can do it easily. And you can do it powerfully. It's all about your emotional state. It's all about your belief. So focus on the things that empower you. I truly believe that as well. I back up all the words that you just said. I know that the things that we've talked about today can really help restate and reframe how we view addiction and how mm-hmm. we view pornography and how we can really overcome it. Yeah. Like I, I truly believe that. I've seen it in your life. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. It, it, we can do this. Yes. We can. You can as the addict. You can as those supporting. We yeah. can all do this together. And not just like, and I wrote this in, in one of my posts, I, not just like you can, you can do it if you exert every ounce of energy you ever have and you have to work really, really hard and, and by some chance, if you, if you exert some kind of superhuman effort, then you'll be able to maybe like muster out uh, you know squeak out a victory no you can do it certainly powerfully in an instant easily it's guaranteed we have so much power over porn we do it doesn't have power over us that's right it has as much power over you as you believe it does and fear makes you believe that it has power over you don't focus on how bad it is or how it destroys marriages and homes and love and You focus on empowering yourself. You focus on building up your belief in yourself that you are a person that doesn't struggle with it. It has no power over you. Right. So go out, connect with someone. Yeah. If you're struggling, connect with someone. If you know someone that's struggling, share this with them. Mm. Talk to them. Build them up. We got this. All of us. We can do it. We can do it. Yes, You can do it. We can do it. That's right. I guarantee you that. I promise you that. I there is so much hope. So much hope. Just it's it's amazing how much hope there is. You can do this, and you can do it quick. You don't have to be afraid. There's a scripture in uh, in the Bible. Now I can't remember where it is exactly, but We'll, we'll find it for the show notes. We'll find it for the show notes. It's where Jesus, the, the um, Jairus comes to um, Jesus and says, my daughter is sick. Can you come and heal her? And so he goes with them. And it's on the way that the woman um, touches his garment, his, his clothes, his garment, yeah. and is healed. Well, then the servant of Jairus comes to them and meets them in the way and says, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. She's already dead. And Jesus says, let's see, where, this, where is this? Mark 5. Verse 36, 
As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, meaning Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. He had just been found out that his daughter was dead. There's no hope anymore. Well, it's too late now. She's dead. But nothing, not even death, is too strong for Jesus. Not even, not just that it's not too strong. Like, it's nothing to him. Right. So do you think pornography is something to him? It's nothing to him. And it's nothing to you if you believe that. Be not afraid. Only believe. Believe.